It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this holiday week edition of Big Drive Energy, we're going to discuss the thrilling weekend of the PNC Championship. We're also going to talk about what the PGA Tour and golf can do to get you, the viewer, more interested, as well as finish it up with Fairway or Four. Let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of Big Drive Energy. We were off last week. Um, not feeling too great personally and uh, a little struggle after the birthday weekend, which shout out to everybody that came out to that at the DNVR tailgate. It's a blast. There's only one more left. So make sure you get to that for the chiefs game on January 9th, but um, took a little week off, not much going on in the game of golf, but we're back. We got to watch the PNC championship this past weekend. We got PGA tour coming up in just a few weeks, starting with the tournament of champions in Hawaii. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the PNC Championship, which saw Team Daily take home the crown. Uh, of course, Tiger was back and his son was even more back and they ended up taking second place. But we'll hop into that. And then uh, we're also going to tell you guys kind of what we want to see for Christmas for next year, um, what we want for Christmas from the PGA Tour and from golf for 2022, which is crazy. We've already flown through another year of this which is awesome and um, we're going to get into a little bit of our twitter poll that we put out today of uh, bryson DeChambeau came up with an interesting comment on twitter talking about what would make golf more interesting to watch and so we pulled you guys on on the twitter machine and got some some good feedback from what you guys would want to see if you do watch golf, what would make it more interesting? And if you don't watch golf, what would make you watch it? So, uh, and then we'll give our takes on that as well. So of course, this pod is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app and an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I am your host, Big Drive Spence here with my brother, co-host friend, 
Mitchell Smith at Big Drive Mitch. What's up, dude? How are you? Played a little golf today, a little December 21st or night. I don't even know what date it is anymore. December 21st golf. <clears throat> yeah, it's the 21st and I walked a little nine holer out at the Valley of Fun. And it's just so weird. It does not feel like Christmas at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. It does not feel like Christmas at all out here in Colorado. It was, I got in my car today. It said 73 degrees. I was like, what the fuck is going on out here? It's like some sort of topsy-turvy world where we have 100 players walking Spring Valley on December 21st. I mean, and for those of you who don't know, golf courses pretty much prepare to be closed like this time of year. You, you tentatively prepare to be open, but you expect to be closed. Let's put it that way. So the fact that we are open is kind of thrown a, a monkey wrench into some of our plans or our social lives. I know work gets in the way of your social life. That's just kind of the, the way life goes, but it's been an interesting year. Uh, and I, I didn't play horrible. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about the golf, I didn't play bad. I've only played twice in probably the last six weeks. So I like to take the winners off, but when it's this nice out, I figure I got to get out there and hit it around a little bit. Um, we were at the Broncos game this last Sunday where they kind of put a stake in their own grave. And that was like super disappointing. I was all over the Broncos um, gambling wise. So of course they went out and laid an absolute egg and they held Joe Burrow. I mean, defensively, they played very well. Defensively, they were awesome. They held Joe Burrow to what? 155 yards, 160 yards passing. Yeah, 157, which I yeah. called under 150, and I was off by seven yards. And if you told me they would have done that and Joe Mixon under 60 yards, I would have said the Broncos win probably comfortably. And instead, they decide to score a whopping 10 points. There's Teddy Bridgewater was unconscious for half the game, literally not not throwing the ball, like physically, literally unconscious. No, he, so. he got injured. <laughs> I mean, that was ugly. I'm glad he's doing okay, but he did not look – Super good. I mean, our first offensive drive, we came out, Cortland dropped a big ball that should have been caught. And like Spencer said on the tailgate, I got to give you credit. You can kind of, and Andre also said it, you can kind of tell what this team is the first two or three drives or even the first drive. You can kind of tell what they're going to bring. And we didn't have it on Sunday. So I'm just a little disappointed. And with the the NBA postponing games, the NHL, the Avs are done. Well, not done, but for another six days, which I always look forward to watching around the holiday season. So uh, it's been kind of a weird time, man. It's just all the way around. It's a little bit weird. I can't believe it's Christmas is four days from now. Yeah, it's insane. And and to going back to your golf today, I'm going to let's talk about a few things that you don't do um, when talking about your golf game. You know, we've done a few segments of don't be that golfer. It's kind of our, our shtick to talk shit about people. If you haven't followed us on TikTok, do that at big drive energy. That's kind of where we get all our frustrations with people out. Um, but in the winter, one big no, no that you're not allowed to do is do not go, do not play around a golf in the winter, come into your pros and talk about how far you hit the ball and how well you scored. Because look, we, first of all, in the nicest way possible. We don't ever care unless it's like your career round or you've shot the course record or something like that. Like, yes, we like you as a person most of the time and we'll support you, but overall it just doesn't matter to anyone else other than yourself. 
And this time of the year, I mean, Mitchell, you can probably talk about it a little bit more. Like you're hitting drives, like literally, and we're already in Colorado. So we're already gaining distance relative to the normal person, but you're hitting drives roughly 30 yards further. And don't complain about how the, the green, I had a guy come in this after late this afternoon. Ah, oh, greens aren't sticking. I'm like, it's fucking December 21st. We're four days away from Christmas, for God's sakes. Just be happy yeah. you're out here. Exactly. Like, I was hitting my three wood off every tee because you can't even get a tee in the ground uh, to tee up a driver. So I was mostly hitting three wood just so I could hit it off the deck. And I was consistently hitting three wood over 300 yards. And if you've ever listened to this podcast once in your life, you know that I do not hit my three wood 300 yards. I generally hit it about 260 to 270, all with roll included everything. And today it was going three plus bills. So, um, yeah, it's a totally different game in the winter. So don't come in telling us about your how far your drives are going, how well you're scoring. Like like Spencer said, I mean, we also have a temporary greenhouse. So that the scoring kind of goes out the window. You can't really count any of those. And also, for those of you who don't know, um, you can't post a score in Colorado on the USGA gin app between uh, November 15th and March 15th. So pretty much in Colorado, they consider any golf played between middle of November and the middle of March completely pointless. So whenever you want to come in talking about your score, yada, 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 you can't post it. So what's the point? Uh, just go out and have fun. Don't get pissed off. Don't complain about the golf course. Like, that, like Spencer said, you come in saying anything about the shape of a golf course in the middle of December in Colorado, you're the dumbest fucking human being that's ever walked the face of the planet. Like, I'm not going to pull any punches there. You're just just think outside of the bubble that is your brain and realize that golf isn't meant to be played in Colorado in December and get over it and go out and fuck off with your buddies. You know, like, I don't care. And we do have a lot of cool people, so I, I hate to get negative. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, this is great, you know, blah, blah, blah. But some people are like, oh, oh what's the course like, this and that. I had one dude, so I, I helped Spencer open this morning before I went out and played nine holes. And I had we were walking only right now at Spring Valley. <laughs> and Spence, this dude walks up, and I go, see, so guys, walking nine or 18. He goes, oh, we're riding. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, no, you're well, fucking not. Well, we're walking only. He's like, oh, and it's, I mean, we've advertised it everywhere. So I don't mean to vent too much, but it, it's just a trip. We're really hoping for some snow out here in Colorado. I think it's supposed to rain on Christmas day, which is the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like we don't even get rain here in July and it's going to rain here in December. So Colorado is just, Whenever you think it's it's done throwing new shit at you, just another year happens and weirder shit happens. So, yeah. How are you doing? The, how are you doing, Spencer? I'm doing good, man. I'm struggling a little bit. I got this uh, this little cold action going on. My throat doesn't feel great. I woke up chugging water last night in the middle of the night, and uh, I'm having some weird ass sleep. I um, knee deep in Yellowstone right now. Uh, way behind. Yes, I am way behind on it. I, I am not to the new season yet, but every night I watch it before bed and then I go to sleep and have just the craziest fucking dreams and the weirdest, like I wake up like three, four times a night thinking like my life is completely different and 
just thrown me into a tizzy here. So I think I'm going to take uh, a night or two off of watching it as much as I am addicted to it because my sleep Dude. is a one importance of me to me. <laughs> that that's how squid games was for me. Like that show, if Yellowstone fucks you up when you sleep, squid games will put your brain in a blender. Like I was some shit I was seeing I, in my dreams. that was just uncomprehensible. So anyways, yeah, I, I know what that's like to, to have a TV show filter into your sleep time, which is just bizarre that that's physically humanly possible. Yeah. Like I'm a deep sleeper. I go to, I go to sleep in two minutes. Once I lay down, I'm asleep till I, my alarm goes off and that has not been the case since I've just dove into this Yellowstone pond that it, but it's the most addicting show I've ever watched by a mile. Great show. This is free advertisement for them. If you haven't watched it, do it. It's a great show, but. so oh for sure but yeah and i'm also not used to like working this hard like not like it's working hard but like i'm not (laughs) i'm not used to like putting in a full day at the golf course like at this time of year and seeing like 100 plus people and answering questions and regripping clubs and all this shit like my body clock is completely off right now i mean as both of our you know we're both dealing with the same shit so it's kind of it's just weird you know it's a weird, it's been a weird year all the way around. If it hasn't been weird enough before now. Yeah. Um, and some guy also called today and asked, if we had a tea time for Friday, which was Christmas Eve. I told him to uh, stay home because we, a, we don't and B it's Christmas Eve, like spend time with your peeps, you know, whether it's family, friends, any, anything like that. I was like, nah, dude, closed. It's great. The only two days were closed a year. So I'm going to, well, technically the, the last thing I, yeah, the last thing I will say about it is people have no general respect for our and, and I think it goes without saying in like any service industry, which is sad. And I hope that changes in the world at some point is like if they want you to be open, you should be open. You know what I mean? Like anybody that works even at a department store or whatever, they're like, oh, uh, well, I'm here. So you should be open. It's like, no, that's not how life works. Like people, we have lives outside of work. We like to do other things like this. And I mean, this is kind of work, but not really. Um, And we like to do other things. We don't just go home and go to sleep and wake up and head back to the golf course and wait for you to show up. You know what I mean? Like if people just had a little bit more general respect for department worker department store workers and and just anybody in the hospitality or or service business service industry just realize that those people have lives outside of that and just to to pay them some respect and and have patience especially this time of year i think the world would be a better place yeah absolutely thank you for coming to our ted talk on (laughs) on the current state of the world all right, let's move into the PNC Championship. How much did you get to watch? What uh, were some things that interested you? We'll, we'll skip over the Tiger and Charlie talk for now. Shout out to Team Daily for winning it, 27 under in two days in a two-person scramble. Um, but what are, what are some things that you saw as far as not even necessarily the golf? It can be anything, you know, as far as um, – the difference of the way that, that it's, that's played with a two man scramble or the field or the, the different players you saw, what, what were some things that stood out to you from this weekend? Well, the thing that 
really stands out is the fact that in order to play in it, you have to be a major champion. So you look up and down the leaderboard and it's just all major champions. Like it's all really big names. You know, it's actually low key, a very stacked field, but then you see like some of these guys, kids have no interest in golf and not no interest, but they, there's, there's definitely a very wide spectrum of where, a lot of these tour players, kids have gone with the game of golf. And I would say most of them are, are fairly casual golfers. I mean, some of them played in college. There's a very small number of them that aspire to pro- play professionally. And most of them just play super casually. So uh, it's, it's really cool to just see everybody go out and it really seem like they have a good time because it really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. It probably means more for the kids than it does for the adults like you're you're surrounded by the the crowds and the tv cameras and all this and it just gives these guys like a a little glimpse of what their dad or whoever is playing with them goes through on a weekly basis so I think it kind of puts it in perspective for them a little bit but no it's just always a really really fun tournament to watch and the field is just stupid stack but it kind of comes down to like a tour player is not going to carry a, a team like that necessarily. Like I would say, I mean, Tiger and Charlie are, they were pretty equal, like contribution wise. There was quite a few shots that Charlie hit better than Tiger, which was awesome. And, um, and then with little John Daly, uh, John Daly, the second. I was going to say he doesn't like that anymore. We have to take that out of our vocabulary. Little J, LJ. Yeah, I think he, only his dad's allowed to call him that. He's listed on uh, Arkansas Golf's website as uh, John Daly the second. So he's he's really like owning the full name. He's not trying to go in a different direction. He's trying to follow in his dad's footsteps. And I think he he kind of carried the load for the most part this weekend. And you can see why because the dude's got a hell of a lot of game. Um, I looked at his college schedule this spring semester and I only saw that he participated in one event which I think we talked about where he went 83 68 uh so the first round was probably some sort of jitters and then second round he came out and shot one of seven rounds under in the 60s uh for the entire day at the event so he balled out that second day and golf is a weird thing too where uh Arkansas and like any SEC golf team is going to be pretty stacked. Like golfers just are grown out of the Midwest. I wouldn't even call it the Midwest, more just the South. Like there's an embarrassment of riches of, of recruits when it comes to golfers coming out of the South because they play year round, they can practice year round, just like any other sport. So the SEC is always super loaded. And uh, I'm not sure exactly when, little john or john days uh, number two is gonna start getting those varsity reps with arkansas but i honestly think three or four years from now we could talk about him getting out on tour going to corn Ferry tour school things like that so uh definitely keep him on your radar and of course his dad being one of the best players pretty much when you talk about the history of golf, he's a top 50 player ever, which definitely carries some weight. Um, 
I think little John Daly will find himself in a pretty good spot come three or four years down the road. So that, that everybody else is interested in Tiger and Charlie and don't get me wrong. It's awesome. But little John Daly, I think he's almost more of a, a fascinating creature because of his, his um, origin. Let's put it that way. Because of who his, who his pops is. And I saw exactly. a video, I saw a video of him. Uh, it was <laughs> called the Arkansas COVID test. And he, this is John, of course, old John Daly, pulled a cigarette out of his mouth, put it in, put the burning end in his mouth, pulled the cigarette back out of his mouth, put the cigarette in his nose, sniffed it up, the cigarette up in his nose, and then blew it out at the other side. Oh my God, you're shitting me. No. That, no. That's real. Dude, you can find anything on Twitter, bro. I promise you. <laughs> that is 100% the Arkansas COVID test. Oh um, my God. One other interesting note I, I kind of took from this tournament and it happens every year, but not really notes. I'm not like sitting down with a fucking pen and paper watching this father son scramble. Um, but it, it's, it is amazing every year to me that all these guys. So like Henry, well, first of all, Henrik Stenson's kid, Carl's a riot. He's hilarious. Oh, yeah, that was electric. That was awesome. They asked him in an interview about like if they had a chance to win or whatever. And he goes, ah, not really. My dad's not playing that good. So he has a super dry sense of humor, which they talked about a ton on the broadcast saying that like Carl's uh, Carl's sense of humor is a lot like Henrik's where it's super dry, but, but really funny. And, and you got to see that firsthand. But what I was really impressed with is a lot a lot of the shots that these non-pros like first, I mean, can't, we can't not talk about Charlie little John Daly's got some, you know, swagger and got had played in front of crowds before, but the amount of crowd population that was at this golf tournament and all these players that don't hit shots in front of crowds, like actually performing was pretty impressive to me because none, like I'm a, golf professional and i say that with air quotes for, for those of you guys listening that can't see us well no one can see us other than each other unfortunately uh well fortunately for you but yeah i'm a professional golfer and you put 100 people at a tee box that shit's straight hosel into the forest uh, for a while <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm just not used to that and none of these guys are used to that other than like i said maybe John the second and a few other players that have played in college events, but even at those, like, it's just the players out on the golf course and every tournament I've ever played in, I already shit myself. And then I, there's no crowd. And so I can only imagine having a crowd. So it's really impressive to see a lot of the non-professionals that aren't used to such a gallery going out there and hitting as good, as good a shots as they hit all week. Yeah, I, I would agree, but that just kind of goes to show you how little it matters to them, how well they do. You know what I mean? They, they're not like, oh, my God, what if I embarrass myself? Like, they're already not good at golf. Most of them are not, you know. They, they have no expectation of going out there besides maybe – I mean, we've had some father-son duos in the past, like Davis Love and his son are both – Davis Love's son played at Alabama. Um, oh, was it David Toms? I think – did David Toms win a major? I don't know if he's ever played in the PNC father-son. But there is there is some sons that are very successful in the game of golf, but it is kind of mind boggling how many of these guys got to the peak of their profession, won a major, 
and their their kids are just like kind of take it or leave it, you know what I mean, on the game. And you know, we we see people in regular everyday life have an opportunity to go into the same uh, field of work as their parents, and they turn it down because they want to kind of forge their own path, which is totally fair. But when you think about golf and what kind of advantage you have, especially with the amount of money these families have, first of all, if they're major winners, they're already doing better than 99.9% of America. Um, And then you have that kind of wealth of knowledge, you know, straight from your dad to uh, really absorb what you want and you know I I don't think there's many dads that are not like oh I don't want to help my son with their game you know I think every dad jumps at that chance like I'm already anticipating I am very single zero kids nope nothing on the horizon and I already can't wait to to coach my kid in golf and and to help them build their swing and teach them the game so I can only imagine how these PGA Tour guys feel with the amount of knowledge that they've carried from their career. So I just, it's crazy to me that these guys, these guys, kids don't really want to take the game seriously, but at the same time, I I do get it. There's two sides to it because golf is meant to be fun and that's what these guys are doing. And it just looks like they, they all have a really good time out there, honestly. Well, and like we saw with the numerous videos, this was last year, this year, and they even showed Tiger it and showed his reaction to it. But you can't tell me that part of the genetics of these professional golfers aren't in their kids or their, you know, like just the oh, amazing, 100%. like this, all the little shit Charlie does. Like he's, he's obviously a stud, but he, and maybe he was putting on a little bit of a show, but most of that stuff is just in his, in his genes. Like when he was born, he, basically got handed the greatest golf genes in the entire world. Now it's not necessarily going to translate, but it definitely translates more than a, than a kid that grew up with a dad. That's, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into that whole, whole scenario, <laughs> well, no, but, but, but even, even tiger commented that Charlie, when tiger was 12 compared to when Charlie was 12, he's like, Charlie is like built. He's got these broad shoulders and that comes from good genetics. I mean, wasn't Elon Nordegren a Olympic skier or something? Or um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's got two parents that have fucking elite genetics. I think that's going to give you a bit of a, a head start because Tiger is like, yeah, I was a beanpole when I was twelve, and now Tiger's built like a Greek god, um, minus the leg, whatever. Uh, but his his parents are so well put together genetically that that is definitely going to give you a leg up and the only thing I worry about if we're done talking about this the last thing I want to say is I don't want Charlie to just get this constant pressure put on him you know because he's Tiger's son and and all these different things so I don't know I I think it's awesome and it's great but and maybe he'll he'll flourish in it, but I just let's just let him figure out golf for himself and see if he actually wants to do this or not. I mean, it seems like he does, but he's twelve. Who knows what they want to do when they're twelve and still still does what they say they're going to do when they're twelve? You know, that's very rare. So when I was twelve, I wanted to be a fighter fighter, a fighter fighter, and uh, look yeah. how that worked out. I became a golf professional. So 
But yeah, I also saw there was something on Twitter talking about like he's not even the best kid in Florida, like junior golf. And so I'm like, dude, what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? Um, yeah. So just to finish that segment up, uh, question for you. Does Charlie Woods win 15 majors or 20 majors? <laughs> oh, shit, dude. It's so that see, that's what I'm trying to avoid is is putting that kind of. I know like Charlie Woods is going to go to sleep tonight thinking about what Mitchell Smith fucking thinks about his golf game, but that's just what he doesn't need in his life. He just needs to enjoy himself. And I mean, if, if he gets there, he gets there. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I think when we, when it comes time where he can possibly make the tour, I think everybody will realize how hard it is to make the PGA tour. (laughs) Because there's a good chance, there's a better chance than not that he doesn't make it out on tour. Just from a statistical standpoint, you know, no, I, he's got a lot of advantages, of course, but from a statistical standpoint, he has a much better chance of not making the tour than he does. So we're going to see how good he is, but I'll throw, I'll go four or five majors. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and it's, half the battle first of all for him is just being wanting to do it obviously that's that's the battle for any professional but like when you grow up in it 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 goes one of two ways where you're like obsessed with it and you want to be like your dad and and you know be famous I guess as part of it but you want to be even better than he was or you're just around the game so much and there's so much talk and so many things going on with your life when you're a kid that you're like, ah, no, like that's going to push me away. And so, I mean, he's 12. It seems like he's super into it, but it just, it's just a matter of whether or not he wants to, you know, continue pursuing the game of golf and, and doesn't get into something else. But like for, for now, it seems like the dude's pretty, and some of the shots he hit, man, like hitting wedges to an inch, like, it, it was not like a, it, it was a show, but it was also like, it's not a total hyperbole how good he really is watching him hit golf shots and given, even given Tiger swings off, like, you know, you could tell Tiger was riding in the cart. He was not, not ready to walk a golf course yet for, especially for four days, but he just hit a drive down the middle and then Tiger wouldn't even have to hit. So um, yeah. pretty cool, pretty fun stuff. Uh, and congrats to the dailies on taking home the, the trophy and the PNC championship before we get into some of your guys' responses and what makes golf more interesting or what would make it more interesting for you. Um, it's Christmas week. We all know that. And it's Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're kind of moving into the end of football season. You can definitely still bet on the NFL, but NBA is getting into full swing. They say Christmas Day is kind of the start of the NFL or NBA season, if you will. Um, and DraftKings has a gift for you that'll put you in the holiday spirit. So all you have to do is bet $5 on any NBA team to win, and you win $150 in free bets if they do. So there's a lot of games on Christmas. There's five games Christmas Day. It's kind of a tradition for Mitchell and I to sit down and uh, we log into the DraftKings Sportsbook. We bet on every single NBA game. We put some parlays down. We put some player props down. They have all that stuff for you there to do. And you can put some extra money in your pocket. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can get in the Christmas spirit with the holiday free bet surprise. So you got to log in there. You get a free bet on anything that they give you. 
And then you'll be able to bet that and then choose, basically choose what you want out of that bet. And it's free. So taking a free shot at them, hopefully winning as much money as possible. Uh, you get a free bet up to $50 instantly, and they're giving away $10 million in prizes. DraftKings is always safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw money at your convenience. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR, and on Christmas Day, bet just $5 on any NBA team to win, and you win $150 in free bets if they do. Promo code DNVR this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So the originating tweet that we uh, talked about today was uh, a great tweet from Bryson DeChambeau, which that sentence, I don't know if has ever been spoken. He's kind of a tool on social media, but Hey, Skip Bayless said that Embiid was better than Jokic today. So I guess being a tool on social media is what gets clicks. So, you know, whatever at this point, but he said, Bryson DeChambeau said, what would make golf more exciting for you to watch wrong answers only? Um, and he got roughly 700, uh, let's see here, roughly, uh, 700 or so replies. Um, and some of them, like it said wrong answers only. So, um, a lot of these people are just spewing nonsense, just trying to be funny, trying to get Bryson's attention. Um, but on ours, we got, uh, some, some good feedback from some of our, our followers on Twitter. So I want to start with this one. Uh, Michael Harrison, not a whole lot, really. He he's, he's a really big golfer, but doesn't watch it a lot. He only tunes in for majors. Most of the time, every time I watch golf, I keep thinking I should play it myself instead of watching it. And I think that's a really, uh, not fine line. I don't know how to describe that, but that's really one of those things where I kind of get the itch too, like, especially in the winter, if I'm watching golf and sitting at home, like when I know it, well, if it ever snows in Colorado again, uh, when I start watching like the, the tournament of champions at Kapaloo, I'm kind of like getting the itch to play, you know, and that, and that can be one of those things that can kind of hinder you watching golf is like you have a weekend off and, and you're able to play golf instead of watching it, playing it. It's a little more fun. It's not like, any other sport where you're like, Oh, football is way better to watch. Like I'm not going to go out and put my 28 year old body on the line in some Thanksgiving family pickup game just to get my ass whipped. But yeah, golf, you almost, you almost go into this delusional state where you're like, Oh, I could hit that shot. You know, you, you haven't played golf for so long that you just completely forget your own capabilities. And you're like, Oh my God, I could hook that three wood around that tree and run it up the, the neck of the green. And then you, in reality can do none of those things um, individually, more or less put it all together in one golf shot. So yeah, there's a, there's a thing where you don't play golf for long enough and inevitably it comes back to you and you're like, Oh my God, I want to get out there right now. Like that's just, if you're a golfer and you don't feel that at some point, you're not really a golfer. Yeah, exactly. You don't really like the game that much if you don't get the itch to play when you're watching, especially when you're watching it. And um, watching, you know, like you said, the, having that delusion of I can hit that shot when, you know, in reality you can't, but then you get it back out on the course, you have that shot and you hit it right into the square of the tree and then it comes back and hits you in the foot. And then that's how, <laughs> that's how golf repays you. Um, we got another response from Drew Allen at the underscore Drew underscore abides on Twitter. And this is a really good one. I thought, and I want to get your take on it. 
encourage crowd noise a la the waste management, flipping the channels to a crowd roaring rather than the whispers of Jim Nance, no offense to him since I love his calls, seems like it'd be more appealing to casual spectators. So my question for you is he, I think he's right there, right? But where do you think it draws the line on the players being annoyed? Like, is that just a whole, is that just a golf? Is that just golf in the whole, you know, in its whole way of being kind of stuffy still, and especially in the mid forties, you know, 45, 50 year old guys playing it and watching it that they can never fully immerse themselves in that type of golf environment and culture at a tournament. So I think I just actually hatched a, a genius idea. And if the tour wants this, they're going to have to pay me for it. Um, because I, I don't think you can encourage noise on all 18 holes. And the tour has already kind of done this, but they haven't done it everywhere. Um, I don't think you can encourage noise on all 18 holes because it's too. And this is coming from a golfer. So I, I could just be looking at it from one side, but it's too much of a challenge to try to hit golf shots every single hole with consistent noise going on, like immediate noise, like right next to you. But I think they should have one hole at every PGA tour event on each nine of the 18 where it is welcome to a crowd and to noise. And you know, for that one hole, every single week, you're going to step up. Crowds are, are fully allowed to make noise there's kind of a no hold barred, like there should be a party hole on each nine of every tour event course at every single event of the year. I love what that. do you think? I love that when, idea. What, because wouldn't that be genius? Yeah, because then they know like it's coming and they exactly. can and they can be ready for it versus like, oh, you know, we have to be quiet or this or that, or even, you know, even one hole in the entire tournament doesn't even have to be per nine. Um, I think that's, I think that's a, that's a great idea, man. We should patent that we should, the party hole or patenting a party hole. Seriously, dude, because th- then if you know, it's coming, you can expect it and you're not going to get, cause what really fucks golfers up is just that sudden noise, which always throws me off. Like, I don't care if there's constant noise or it's silent, like, but if, if it's silent and then somebody's like, oh, go fuck yourself, like right in the middle of my backswing, <laughs> which happens more often than you'd think, uh, it really like throws me for a loop. So I think if, if you set up one hole, like I, I, I was thinking it per 18, but there might be too many fans because everybody's going to want to go to that hole, you know? So maybe you set up one on the front nine, one on the back nine, and just two holes of the 18, you let people just go fucking hog shit wild you know just let them go crazy and the people who want to be quiet and follow their group and this and that they can do that but then the people who just want to sit on one single hole and watch the entire field come through you know and and drink all day and bullshit with their buddies and treat it like it's like you're at a baseball game you know i think that should be a thing on the pj tour at every single event like that would be that would change the game Yeah, it would change the game from a viewer's perspective. It would change the game from maybe more people would want to attend a golf tournament. Like, I feel like that would get more people that are like on the fence, like maybe like to play golf a little bit, but don't like to go and be quiet for six hours at a tournament and sit out in the sun. Like, I feel like, like you said, it's bringing more of an event perspective into it versus like a golf tournament. You know, it's more of a, it's more of a like 
going to the rooftop for a Rockies game social event, you know, going to a tailgate before a Broncos game or, or a bar during the middle of the game, you know, instead of watching and, and being all nervous or intense or quiet, especially at golf tournaments, because it's so unlike any other sport, you just get to enjoy. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to be putting up a sign that says quiet, please in front of you, just let them go, you know, let them go hog wild. And I, I think, I, I don't honestly don't think there'd be that much pushback from tour players. Like you said, if they knew ahead of time, exactly what was going on, but also like how much fun do all the tour players have at the waste management, which by the way, we're going to be there this year. I, I cannot wait for that. going to be so much fun. We're going to be uh, slightly intoxicated at the 17th hole, but they, the players love that. It's not like the players get to that hole and hate it. You know, they put jerseys on, like, I think, was a Tony Finau wore a Kobe jersey and just the different things like that. Like it spices it up and makes it fun and brings in a whole new crowd of people. Like I bet you there's no way to pull this. I mean, I guess there is, but there's no, especially no way for us to do it. But I bet you the, the waste management is the most attended tournament in the PGA tour circuit that is like attended by what people would call a casual golf fan versus the diehard golf fans. You know, other than maybe like the masters just because it's such a insane venue, but other, but even that, that's like so impossible to get in that. I think it takes a lot of people out, but I, I I definitely think the waste management is probably the most attended event by people that are like, Oh yeah, I kind of like golf, but I've seen how much fun the 17th hole is. I want to be a part of that. And they go. Yeah. Imagine if there was a 17th hole or a 16th hole, it is the 16th out there at TCC. I I messed up. Um, You're fine. Uh, but imagine if there was that hole at every single golf tournament on the PGA tour, I think that would just be fire. I don't, I don't see any loopholes in my plan that I just thought of three minutes ago. I haven't really developed any, any problems in my head. So I think that should be a full go by the PGA tour. And realistically, you think about it, they, they get more butts in the seats. They're selling more liquor. They're, then you promote betting, which I know is going to happen at the Waste Management Open, um, the Phoenix Open. Like you, you promote betting on that hole and you can bet closest. Imagine being able to sit in front of a hole and bet closest to the pin on every single group. Like how electric would that be? Like live betting in golf. Live betting in golf is like weird. We have just touched the tip of the iceberg as to what you can do with live betting in golf. Just you could bet on it just, just for a second. Um, but you know what I mean, dude? Like, how electric would that be? One group rolls up. You're like, okay, this is the, the Mickelson-Fee-Nauer-Fowler pairing. Who hits it closest? So, like, I mean, the odds makers would have a fucking nightmare thinking about it. But it just creates so much electricity in the, the area and, and gives people a rooting interest. And like you said, treat it like a baseball game. Treat it like a – like somewhere somebody wants to go and hang out for an afternoon, you know, and not have to necessarily follow a group and, and walk eight miles and shut their mouth all day. Like God knows I'm not good at that. So give somebody, give, give the people an environment where they can go hang out, enjoy themselves and watch some golf kind of in the background versus making golf the only thing available that entire day. You know, I, I definitely think there's, there's a, a copious amount of, of ideas that the PGA Tour could toss around to help grow its its game going forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. So going into um, this next one, and this is one of my favorites, and th- this could very easily be done. It doesn't have to be the whole tournament. It could just be one day. Uh, I don't know if – they kind of have this, but they don't, they don't really advertise it and televise it as much. But uh, this is from Nick Scott at receiver underscore 10 on Twitter. Uh, it wouldn't ever happen, but putting a few guys who aren't pros in the same event – to force perspective on how good pros actually are like a five, a 10, a 15 handicap. It would show how good the pros are, how tough the course is, et cetera. And this is a great idea. And I think, um, I don't know if you could do, uh, some sort of auction where people could pay, like they had, they have to like vet themselves handicap wise, but may, and, and it doesn't even have to be all four days. It could just be like Thursday and all these, you know, these three or four guys, girls, what, um, whatever, gets into the tournament they play that 18 holes but they get their shots televised and they have to what about even the score. Per, what what about even here's another idea i'm just following the night they play all the, these say a foursome of amateurs play on the pro-am day and then when they go coverage like thursday through sunday they can pull up like say the 17th hole and before they get to the 17th, before they air a group, that's on 17th, they show the shots of the amateurs playing the 17th. And they, like, show the scorecard of what they made. You know, it something like that where they're not even necessarily playing the same days or anything, but just where they're, somebody's there to give a perspective. Like you said, on, on how tough these courses are and what your everyday golfer is going to do on these golf holes. I think that would be fucking amazing. Yeah. And I think the way they could get away with it too, is like I said, maybe an auction of, you know, they give the money to charity of whoever pays the most and they get to play in it, but also just bringing celebrities into it. Like how many sports are other than baseball are being played June, July, August, when it's kind of just the PGA tour and MLB, you know, it's, it's all about like, well, it depends upon if you're a diehard sports fan or a golf fan, you know, you're into golf all year round, but that time of the year, it's kind of like golf dominates, you know, Sundays, Saturdays on TV, especially majors. And if you got like, you know, how, how often is Bill Murray in the Pebble beach pro-am like featured, but you got to show like the bad shots. And that kind of gets me to my idea. And this is, this takes almost no work from the PGA tour as far as what they already do. Um, and they, and they've started to do this a little bit more with, uh, some extra videos, but I think it's kind of funny and you have to get approval from the players. I'm sure the players would hate this, but like the guys that are shooting the worst scores, like show some of their shots, you know, and that makes it more relatable. The more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the more I realize how much like tour players would probably hate that, but even getting their name out there, like, let's say that random dude that Monday qualifies for a PGA tour event he goes out and shoots 85 the first day and is completely out of it. Well, show a few of his shots that, you know, he rinsed in the water and didn't make par, didn't make an amazing comeback. He ended up making seven that becomes more relatable to the average golfer instead of only watching the 30 foot putts go in, you know, not watching how hilarious is it when a dude like four putts from four feet, you know, not for them, but for everybody watching it's, it's great. And it's great content. So I think that can make the game more relatable. And then that helps the the overarching game of golf as well, because people don't think they should make every 30 footer just because pros do like when we, when we've given it dove and dived, 
no, I don't know the past tense of dove. When we dove, dove, dove. when we had, when we dove into the stats, you know, and we're not big stat heads, but there's a great follow on Twitter, Lou Stagner, uh, who does a lot of stats on the PGA tour. And just when you dive into the stats of how little PGA tour players make putts or chip it into as close as you think you should, or this or that, it really puts it into perspective, but that's only when you see the players playing the best every week on the PGA tour, not the players shooting 80, 85, because it happens almost well, every event. Oh, hundred percent. But I think the way your plan would work um, would have to be players that have to get paid by how often they were on TV. There would have to be a portion of the purse that would go to who gets the most airtime. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Which, like, it's which just I like think their social fine. media thing. Yeah, it's just whether, building whether these guys' names. Yeah, exactly. It's like the pip, whatever. Um, you have to encourage them somehow to not. Well, and, and realistically, I mean, I don't think that the tour. It sounds shitty, but the tour really doesn't owe anybody anything. They can air anybody whenever, you know, because th- these guys are all. Um, general like they're subcontractors they're not they don't owe anything to the pga tour they don't ever have to play in another pga tour event which you'd obviously be stupid not to but i think the pga tour has the rights to air literally anybody that is in the field that week you know so i i don't think you even necessarily have to pay them but you could like incentivize like that like oh you get a thousand dollars and I mean, it's better for your sponsors too, like to, to show numbers of how many times this guy was shown on TV. And I, I know you don't want to be, your company name doesn't want to be associated with somebody shooting 90 in a PGA Tour event. But at the end of the day, any advertising is good advertising. So uh, especially when you're reaching millions of people like you do every week at a PGA Tour event. So I, I definitely like that idea too. Um, but there's there's a little more to work around there for sure. Uh, another one that we got, well, that I got personally because I quote tweeted our tweet from the DNVR golf account. Um, my only response, but it came from the legend Sue Dishner, our uh, former Valley of Fun um, club champion, women's club champion. She said, players mic'd up and caddies mic'd up. And we've been talking about this in professional sports for years. The fact that and just going back to like what my previous point was, if you pay a dude and be like, we'll give you 10 grand to be mic'd up today. How many of those guys are going to be in, you know, most of those dude. And that's the thing is guys, you've never even heard of. You could watch them mic'd up for a day and you're like, Holy shit. I love this guy. And it builds their personal brand, builds their sponsorship, things like that, where people players are becoming more personalities than they are just players, you know? So there's, there's that aspect too, but what do you think? Cause I, I love, I just love the whole mic'd up idea in general. Yeah. And that's what we got another response that kind of piggybacking off of that. So we'll lump them together from Nate at rocktober 19 on Twitter. Uh, give us more of the caddy player dialogue. And so that kind of goes into mic'd up where like hearing what they're talking about, like you have to be a little bit more on the golf nerd side and playing a fair amount of golf. But I also think it's for anybody that's just semi-interested in golf, they can kind of start building their game or building uh, some ideas on how to better themselves by hearing the stuff that they're saying. Now, some of, now a lot of it to, to most people 
to especially the casual golfer is way over your head. But some people are going to nerd out on it, on what the caddies are, are saying. But miking up all sports, it, it's why the match and all the matches have been so successful. Yes, it's celebrities, but you get to hear what they say. Like, how many people... I wonder, you know, I wish we could do a test on the difference of how many people would watch like, let's go to, back to the first match, Brady uh, Mickelson versus Woods Manning. How many people watch that? If they're just playing golf, they're videotaping all their golf shots, not hearing a single word they say, and just having announcers guaranteed half the people. And that's yeah. what uh, this other, um, another tweet, uh, Ryan Hatton at Hatton and YNWA is an entire revamp of the TV broadcast format. And I think all of those kind of lumped together where if you have some celebrities talking about golf, you know, it's, it's going to, it, it's going to, all of these create like an entire culture change on the PGA tour, which I think they're slowly getting to, it's going to take time, but I do think in 10 years, you know, we can look back on talking about this in 2021 and maybe in 2030 say, wow, they really made strides in broadcasting and, getting players more of their own brand and players mic'd up and, and more content for the people to watch and interesting content. A hundred percent. I I'm on board with it all the way. Well, and, and I think, you know, I don't know for sure. We talked about this last podcast, but ESPN plus is airing so much more coverage this year of golf tournaments. So maybe, and since ESPN plus is like a streaming service that you have to pay for, maybe they have different, ideas of how to stream the tournaments, you know, versus just the, a a normal broadcast. So maybe we are going to see some of that coming up here sooner rather than later, because I know, you know, any pay-per-view event or pay to stream, like on Peacock, you can hear things that you wouldn't hear on normal TV. So maybe that's in the plans when ESPN plus and ESPN takes over and adds, you know, thousands of hours of more coverage for 2022 PGA tour season. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm, like you said, I think they can cuss on ESPN Plus, so guys don't have to be worried about watching what they say out on the course, and they can just kind of be themselves. And yeah, it's nothing but great advertising for the PGA Tour. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll finish up this pod and move into our fairway or four. Um, from a couple of weeks ago, we got some votes from you guys. Um, we had, a, I had just a couple, so we're going to run through those. I'm going to filibuster here. Um, so Kansas city chiefs football fans are the worst fans in the entire NFL. And I got 62% fairway on that. So, uh, the fans agreed with me there that KCA has probably the worst fans. And I think that goes back to them just not being good forever. Um, when you have a good, like I can never talk shit to a Patriots fan for being annoying because they're good. And they have been yeah. good and they had a dynasty, but when you're not that good and then all of a sudden you get kind of good and they'll probably be good for a while, but you can't just run your mouth after you have no history of being good. And then yours, uh, that was yours actually. Um, eating a steak. Well done. We got 97%. So one of the highest we've ever gotten um, four. So there's one couple people out there that like their steak well done, but most people know that medium or medium rare is, is the proper way to go. So shouts out to you guys for that one. All right. What's, well uh, what's your fairway or four this week, Mitch, start us off. Um, well, given that we've got Christmas coming up in a few days, uh, there's a popular Christmas drink that I think is somewhat of a bone of contention. Um, Cause I can personally say that I hate it, but is eggnog 
in general a fairway or a four just eggnog just it's i'll give you my quick rundown i think it's disgusting it's like it's got just like this snotty texture where it's so thick it's like i wouldn't even i wouldn't call it a milkshake um but i wouldn't call it a liquid it's just it's almost like have you ever heard of thick water (laughs) no i haven't sounds it's actually it's a real thing that's like super disgusting i guess um it's it's basically like a really salty like pasty water that's supposed to really hydrate you like i think like marathon people and people that do a lot of like really a lot of physical activity which is why i'm not familiar with it um (laughs) they i i think it's got like a similar texture where it's just when you pour it it just doesn't quite come out like a liquid and if you've ever looked at like i hate to be like this guy here because i i know it doesn't look like i look at many um uh nutritional ingredient labels but just the general amount of like fat and sugar and everything it's like what the fuck are they putting in this it it you can drink like a cup and it's like 1200 calories like i didn't know that was cal the calories per square ounce in there has to be like the highest of any contents um of pretty much anything on this earth if i'm being honest so having said that Thank you for coming to my TED talk once again, but I, I am just not in on eggnog whatsoever. There's plenty of other drinks, anything alcoholic that can get me in the holiday spirit. Like I don't need some bullshit and I'm not even on the anti-dairy camp. Like most nowadays, I, I'm a, I love milk fucking half and half throughout my coffee, whatever. I'm not like a big anti-dairy guy. I'm not like asking for coconut eggnog. But I just, I just think eggnog in general is pretty disgusting. So, all right. Well, so I'm, I'm actually on the eggnog train. I don't do dairy. So as most of See, you know, you don't want to be But I do have some non-dairy eggnog in my fridge right now. And I'm actually, now oh that you talk, brought it up, I think I'm going to go drink some with my dinner after this. But, <laughs> um, so I'm a fair way on eggnog. I like it, but I know it's, it's a very polarizing so I'll be interested to see the fan vote on this. Exactly. One. I'm just trying to get the people talking. All right. I like it. Skip Bayless 2.0. People right. talking, talking about people. So my fairway or four this week is going to also be Christmas themed. And well, kind, I guess I should say kind of Christmas themed. This is also could be birthday themed. Um, so Kylie, my fiance, always wants me to open presents early on my birthday. Always wants me to never want to. Christmas. Do you open all your presents on Christmas day? Do you open, I know our old, our old way was to open one Christmas Eve and then we'd open the rest Christmas day. But then we usually got one, one, one Christmas. We got so into it. We opened all our presents Christmas Eve. So I guess the, the best way to phrase this fairway or four, should you open any presents if more than one before Christmas day is actually there? Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say four on that because that was like the worst Christmas in my life. I remember just the instant regret, like and every kid hits that phase in their life where they just flat out don't give a fuck. Like they will wrap, they will unwrap every single present a week before Christmas. They are just like that stoked. Um, but that one year that we did open all of our presents early, I've never been just 
more sad in my life than that Christmas day. So yeah, that's, you, I, and it's such a slippery slope. Like, like you said, you either kind of open none or you open all of them because stopping at one is just like, feels like a crime. You're, you're just, your adrenaline's pumping. It's like playing like three holes of golf and then calling it a day. You know, you're just like, oh, I just got into this shit. And now I'm about to fucking be done, but you just have to, you have to play the long game. You have to have some patience and wait for Christmas morning. Cause I, I can tell you from experience, it's not worth the, the excitement Christmas Eve to just completely ruin your entire Christmas day. No. And for a little nugget into Mitchell and I's family life, we're very into Christmas and getting each other presents and opening presents. We're 28 and 26 as of this moment, and we're still <laughs> obsessed with it. So I don't know when that's going to go away. Maybe when I have kids, I'll be more excited for them to open presents, but I'm like still hyped to open presents and I'm pushing 30. So um, <laughs> that that's going to wrap up this week's episode. We appreciate you guys all listening. Make sure to like, um, like our podcast, subscribe to our podcast on whatever you listen to it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. We appreciate all of you. Have a very Merry Christmas. Have a happy holidays. We'll talk to you guys next week in our last pod of 2021. Peace.